What a great opportunity. I'm so glad you are here today. You guys excited to be here? I hope so. Yeah. So I'm talking about those guys are online. Again, thanks for joining us, you know, on this day. I want to remind you that DNA is this Sunday. It's a great opportunity to go from attending a church to committing to a church. What's the difference? Glad you asked. So come this Sunday, one to four, childcare is provided for you as well. One other thing I, I want to mention, you know, just briefly, is uh, this is what's called uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. And here's what I want you to be aware of is just like for you, it's been a very, very long season for our staff. And so I'm going to ask you on behalf of the staff, they didn't ask me to do this, is if you can find a way to encourage them. Just find any tangible way, you can send them a note, an email, just something over the next couple of weeks, just to let them know how much you care and appreciate them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but when people love my kids, I feel like they love me. And so if you love, want to love me, love our staff. So let's find a way to be able to do that. Can we do that? You know, just love our staff sometime in the next couple weeks. Now, we've been in this relationship series looking at the biblical model for how God wired relationships. Uh, Dr. John Van Epp is the one who's helped us see and realize this. And relationships are the best thing when it comes to this life. Uh, it's, it's really what makes life worth living. Uh, your relationship with him and with others. In fact, you know, even if you're an introverted or not yet a follower of Jesus, you know this to be true. It's why solitary confinement is actually considered extreme. It's why school buses are so loud. It's why football games are jammed full of people. And it's why Tom Hanks talked to a volleyball for four years. Right? We understand that we are wired and we are designed for relationship. And so as we've talked about, we've talked about this process, of how it should be on a declining scale to have healthy relationships because of friendships or dating or marriage or kids or work environments, that as you know people, then you begin to trust them, rely. Now, last week, uh, Steve talked about rely. Didn't Steve do a great job? And Steve did an awesome job you know, on rely. In fact, uh, I heard that we had over 20 people that raised their hand to commit themselves to Jesus Christ. And uh, we're excited, so excited about that. If you were one of those people, I'm going to plead with you just like Steve did. Let somebody know. Take the next step, you know, even on this weekend, to be baptized or to jump into a, one of our life groups. You've got to have people come alongside you in relationship as you made that decision. And what's fascinating is the decision that, that Steve was asking you to make is the decision to commit. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of our time together. Because we all make commitments on a regular basis. We have work commitments, school commitments, meeting commitments, promises made to each other, financials and business, home, cars, all these bill commitments that we have on our plates. And if you get commitment out of order, even as it pertains to things like jobs, things don't go well. Let me give you an example. Uh, there's a guy uh, that I'm aware of who decided to take a job at a church to be one of their pastors. Now, here's what you need to know. He didn't know a lot about this church. 
In fact, he never once visited the church before he decided to take the job that was offered. So he didn't know, he, didn't, he couldn't really, he trusted them you know, quite a bit. He, didn't, he was relying on them, he didn't know, and he fully committed to them being in this relationship. Guess what? It lasted six months, because it didn't take long for him to realize, well, actually, my trust to them is not as high as I've gotten to know them. I don't trust them as much. I don't rely, and my commitment level is actually not as high as I thought it would be. And how many of us have made the same mistake? When it comes to just employment and jobs, we jump in to this idea of commitment without taking the time that it takes to know, to trust, to rely, commit, and then to touch. Now, the difference between relying commitment uh, when it pertains to relationships, especially when they're on the romantic side, is what I would call the DTR talk. Ever had the DTR conversation? Raise your hand, put it online. If you have the DTR conversation, you know what I'm talking about? It's the define the relationship conversation. See, because you might know the person, you might trust, and you might rely in these relationships, but then you have to have the define the relationship talk. Like, hey, you know, I, I know we're friends, and we could have been hanging out, so I just want to know, since I know you, and I'm starting to trust you, I'm starting to rely on you, I'm like, where are we here? You know, are, are, are we dating? Are you, are you my boyfriend, girlfriend? You know, and, and it happens at every step of the way. And if you're dating, you have another define the relationship talk. Are we exclusive? Are we not exclusive? Uh, now we're exclusive. Okay, that's a good commitment conversation. And then it's like, are we engaged? Yeah, well, let's have that conversation to be able to know what that looks like. And now we're married and it goes so on and so on and so on. In fact, I've had a couple of these in my lifetime. Uh, I remember getting to know a gal in college and we hung out for a while. I was getting to know her. And in fact, I was uh, entrusting myself you know, to her as I was interested in her and I was in the friend zone. So as I'm in the friend zone, I'm starting to trust her and I'm opening myself a little bit more emotionally and I'm starting to rely on her. And then we need to have this conversation because I want it to be more than friends. And I need to have the define the relationship conversation. So I sit her down one of these days and I openly expressed some vulnerability. And I said, hey, um, you know, I'd like us to be more than friends. Would you be interested in that kind of commitment? Uh, she said, no. <laughs> and this is literally what she, what she told me. She goes, actually, um, I've committed to date only Jesus during the season. And I'm like, that's weird, you know, uh, for you to even say that. But what made it more painful is that a month later, she started to date another guy. And that really hurt for a while until I began to wonder, what the heck did Jesus do to her for him to break up with Jesus? That's what I began to wonder. I was like, dude, you know, that's a weird relationship. You're dating Jesus, and then it really didn't happen. But I want you to see how healthy relationships are formed in the romantic side of things as you go from friends to dating and even engagement. Uh, we got a couple in our church who, within the last couple months, got engaged, and they were willing to sit down and have a conversation about what this looks like. And as they talk and share their story, I want you to begin to notice how they got to know and then trust, rely, and even how the commitment level continued to rise as these things rose as well. Let's hear from them now. So we met on a dating app and just started talking and hit it off. We met on New Year's and then made it official 18 days later in January. And then we were engaged by July 1st. A lot of people our age already are married with kids or it's like they're way younger than us. Yeah. So it was like, we're kind of at the like weird stage of, and like age of life where it's like, you don't really meet people like at church or you know, something like that. Early thirties and I think 
For me, it was just, I wanted to know somebody, I want them to know me. We're both like finding our careers and like older, older and know like oh, what we're looking for. So I feel like that helped us be able to commit earlier on too. Not only just getting to know her, but allowing her to get to know me, like letting those walls down. And like, as the process went on, I recognized that she put that energy into it, which told me, okay, she's like actually committed to this. Like, she's no, into I, this. I really want to know you. Like. I want to know what's inside a bow, not necessarily just on the outside. People can be different depending on who they're around. And so for me, it was like, okay, like he might be, you know, someone different with just me, but then around my family or around his friends or around his family, it was just nice to see that he was the same person, which, you know, helped me to trust him even more and actually like feel better in like committing just because I was like, okay, like he's actually like a genuine person all of the time, not just like with us, you know? I knew that if I got a flat tire, in the middle of nowhere and I needed help, I knew I could call Dare Lee. I know I could call my brothers. I know I could call my parents and they would be there. And so having that as the standard, she exceeds it. Even if she couldn't put the tire on, she would be there. Which I would not be you know? able to put the tire. <laughs> It's fine, I mean, I could put the tire on, but you know, but like that's a silly example, but it's true. It's like, I know I can rely on that person and trust that person to be there. Yeah. I love what he does and that helps, but like him, uh, like, being okay with what I do and loving what I do and like being okay with it and trusting me and knowing that it's important to me is a big thing too. The energy is getting put in to what I care about and it's reciprocated and that made it 10 times easier to commit. That makes it easier to trust him and be committed because I know like, hey, something's gonna come up in the future but we'll figure it out together. When you decide to marry somebody and you decide to get to know somebody, it's like you should have your PhD in that person. It's not just the investment of like right now. It's like the investment when I'm driving to work. Okay, what am I going to ask Darren Lee about today? Can we give it up for them? Let's love. Very, very excited, you know, to see as they get married, you know, a little bit later this year. And this is how it's supposed to look. You know, the, again, to know and to trust and rely, commit and touch when it comes, you know, to our relationships. That's the way that God designed it for us. That's the way he wants us to experience it in relationships. Now, before we go any further, we need to take a step back and we've got to define what we're talking about. You know, what does it mean to commit? Because some of these words sound the same. Trust, rely, commit. What is, what is the difference between like rely and commit? Well, let me tell you this. To commit is an agreement or pledge or promise to do something in the future. It's an agreement, pledge, or promise. So you might rely on someone, but once you say, I'm committed to, I'm agreeing to, I'm pledging to, I am promising to do something, to be there, you know, to whatever it may be, to a friend, to a child, you know, to a parent, to a spouse, that's what commitment is, you know, when it comes to the difference between rely and commit. Now, let me remind you of this. Weddings are not about love. And I'm gonna shock some of you. Nobody ever goes to a wedding and looks at this couple and goes, oh, they're in love? I never knew this. This is amazing, they're in love. No, we see love all over the place. The purpose of weddings is one reason, and that is commitment. It's to share with others the committed love they have and what they're doing from this point on.
I'm committing to you for the remainder of my life. I've known you, I trust you, we've been relying on you, and now I'm actually going to commit myself to you until death do us part. In fact, allow me to go a step further when it comes to what I believe may be the best definition of our culture when it comes to this idea of commitment. And I got, for, got it from a guy by the name of Inky Johnson who said this, Commitment is staying true to what you said you would do long after the mood you said it has left. Mic drop. Commitment is staying true to what you said you would do long after the mood that you said it has left. There is a huge temptation in our culture today for us to be committed to our feelings above all else. Our culture says, If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Live by your emotions. And as a result, we find ourselves being internally manipulated by our moods. See, if you say that you're going to help somebody move, show up and help them move even if you don't feel like it. Be that friend, be that coworker, be that spouse, that parent that people can count on when you make a commitment, even after the mood in which you made that commitment has left you. That's what it looks like. See, and understand there's a difference between committed relationships and covenant relationships. See, a committed relationships or a contractual one, I should say, contractual relationship is if you do this, then I will do that. If you do your part, then I will do my part. Like, for example, many of you don't remember what it was like when the Seahawks were terrible. There was not a lot of people committed to the Seahawks. And then all of a sudden, they started to win. And it's amazing how everybody became a Seahawk fan. It was awesome. It was just to be all these people. And now that they might be struggling a little bit, it's amazing how people are not as committed anymore. Why? Because it's a transactional relationship. If you win, then I will be in for you. If you don't, then I'm not. That's why I have such great respect for Steve Allen because he's still a Washington State Cougars fan. (laughs) They don't win often. But he's very committed to them, no matter how many times they lose to the University of Washington. So, Steve, great, great commitment and example for our sermon today. See, even there's a difference when it comes to committed or or, or contractual relationship to a covenant one. Now, a covenant relational commitment is I'm going to fulfill my side of the relationship even if you don't fulfill your side. I'm going to do my part, even if you don't do yours. My word is my bond. My commitment to you is not conditional on your treatment or commitment to me. And again, it's not in all cases. You know, I know we'll get emails and conversations. Well, what about adultery and marriage? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about, I'm going to be a friend, even when you're not friendly. I'm going to still choose to love you and be in that relationship. I'm going to stay in the marriage even if we had a bad season and I don't have the feelings of love that I did a year or two ago. I'm gonna love you as my child even when you don't love me back. See, we understand that there's this commitment, this covenantal relationship that we can have with God and with one another. You're gonna be committed to other people at a specific church even when that church or those people disappoint you. It's hard, and I know, but it's important because maturity actually best happens in this zone. 
This is where you become more and more like Christ. This is where you actually grow up you know, in maturity is when you are committed in these covenantal relationships, even when you don't feel like being in that commitment. In fact, let me show you how this practically looks like in God's word. Because we've talked a lot about marriage and we've talked a lot about dating. Let me talk specifically about friendship. Now, many of you are aware of the story of David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan had a very serious, covenantal, committed, godly relationship with one another. Because here's what we find is that David has just killed Goliath on the battlefield, and he's talking to Jonathan's father, Saul, who happens to be the king of Israel at the time. And then it says in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact, a commitment with David, because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. What Jonathan was saying by this demonstration of gifts is I recognize that even though I am next in line, I am heir to the throne. I am the next guy bloodline to be able to take over the kingship of Israel. I recognize that God has called you to be king and you need to dress like a prince. Let me give you what has been given to me to be able to have rightfully given to you. Talk about a commitment. Talk about a friendship that was, that was bonded. In fact, they built such a good friendship. Jonathan thought he had a great relationship with his dad and he knew everything that was going on in Saul's heart and mind. So when David was actually being pursued by Saul to be killed by him, Jonathan didn't believe it because he's like, no, no, dad shares with me everything. He goes, you need to understand that what your dad is really doing. So Jonathan says this, and also in 1 Kings 20, verse 23, may the Lord make us keep our promises to each other for he has witnessed him. And as he starts to find out that his dad is actually doing these things, he says, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna test my dad in this. You stay hidden. And one of these days, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have my arrow bearer. I'm going to shoot an arrow. And if I tell the person who's grabbing or retrieving my arrows, if I say, you know what, uh, it, the arrow is in front of you, then that's the signal, David, that it's safe for you to come home. If I tell you the arrow is beyond where you're looking, then you need to get out of here because you're exactly right. And then it says this, because he found out that yes, his dad was set on killing him. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for he has sworn loyalty. Notice the commitment to each other and in the Lord's name. The Lord is a witness of the bond between us and our children forever. Well, time passes on. And unfortunately, David and Jonathan were killed in the same battle. And then it was several years later through a whole venture that David had to go through that he actually becomes king. And many years later, we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So he didn't have to even ask. He didn't have to inquire. He was the king. He had arrived. And yet he remembered his commitment to Jonathan, not just to him, but to his kids as well. And he calls a servant in named Ziba. Ziba comes before him. He says, is there anybody left in the household of Saul? Is there anybody related to Jonathan so that I can fulfill this promise? And Ziba says, actually, there is. Jonathan still has a son that's alive, and his name is Mephibosheth. Coolest name in the Bible, by the way. 
those of you who are getting married and going to have kids, I'm just telling you, Mephibosheth, that's going to be a pretty sweet name. Okay, so Mephibosheth, and so, and, and Ziba tells him, he says, but you need to understand, Mephibosheth is crippled. Now, how did that happen? Well, good thing the Bible tells us, because in 2 Samuel 4, 4, it says, Saul's son, son Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. Now, why was she doing that? Because every time that there is someone who's killed, who's in the throne, there's this power struggle in most cultures. And so she's just trying to protect the child. And in her effort and her haste to protect the child, he gets permanently wounded. And so David continues his conversation with Ziba in verse four, where he says, well, where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar. Understand, the, the, the word Lodabar means place of nowhere. So basically, Mephibosheth is from nowhere and he happens to be crippled. And then we see this awesome interaction. He calls Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth enters. Now he doesn't know at this time, am I entering into the king's presence in order to be killed so the bloodline is completely eradicated and he can have free reign? He doesn't know. And so he walks into the presence of King David, but he doesn't walk, he hobbles right? He's got crutches. He's crippled. And you can imagine the sound as he's entering into the king's chamber. And in 2 Samuel 9, 7, it says, don't be afraid is what David says. I intend to show kindness to you. Why? Because of my promise to your father, Jonathan, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. What a beautiful picture of the grace of God that takes place in our life as well. You and I are just as crippled as Mephibosheth. It may not be a physical crippling, but it's called sin that separates us from him. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm gonna die, I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna be committed to you. You are welcome to eat at my table for all eternity. You see, the most important commitments that we can make are relational in nature. It's not in work. It's not these other assignments. It's relational in nature. And there are three things that take place when we go through these commitments. Let me just remind you of them or share them with you. Number one, these relational commitments reveal our values. Show me what you're committed to, who you're committed to, and I will show you what you most value. So guys, let me, let me just talk to you for just a second. Uh, we can say we love our wives, but does our work commitments take a higher value in our life? Ladies, you can say you love your husband, but does your relationship with your children is it a higher value in your life than even your spouse? See, these are some things to be able to process. Our committed relationships show what we really value. What do we really value in life? Secondly, they shape our character and integrity. The Bible tells us bad company corrects or corrupts good character. See, love is a decision. Commit is a verb. It's something that you and I choose to do. Remember this, feelings are not facts. Your feelings are not facts. And so when you don't feel like doing the right thing, that doesn't remove the fact that God wants you and I to do the hard work of relationships in our lives. And this is hard work, which is why it's so much easier to have unhealthy relationships than healthy ones. It takes a level of commitment and sacrifice to do even when we don't feel like it. We forgive when we don't want to. We love when we don't want to. We can persevere when everything in us wants to cut and run. See, our relational commitments are your values. It shapes our character and integrity, and they define 
or determine our destiny. They determine our destiny. Show me your friends. I'm going to show you your future. It's so the impact that we have with one another. Proverbs 12 verse 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Carefully meaning they take time to know, to trust, to rely, to commit, to touch when it comes to these relationships. Some of you need to hear this today. Those of you who are in married relationships, if you're married, let me warn you, don't sit around thinking about how awesome it would be to marry someone else. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. It's always been the case. You made a commitment before God to that person. Water that relationship. It might not be good, but it's not going to get better if you don't do anything different. Remember the commitments you made. Be a person of commitment before God and other people. So let me close with this. Who are you committed to relationally? Just stop. I need you to evaluate. Evaluate your relationship with your friends, your family, your work, your church. Who are you committed to? And remember, it always starts by looking into the mirror first. Are you a committed person? Would your friends say, yeah, I can count on them. When they say they're going to do something, when they pledge, when they promise that they're going to do something or be there, they're people that follow through with their commitment. Evaluate your committed relationship with God. As I've already told you, Jesus is already committed to you. That's why he died on the cross and rose again. Matthew 20, verse 8, verse 20 says, be sure of this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You want to know what's so encouraging about this? He doesn't say, I am with you always until you sin. I am with you always until you stop going to church. I'm with you always until you stop reading my word. See, Jesus understands covenantal relationship. He understands what that commitment looks like. He's gonna be committed to us whether we're committed to him. So the real question is, are you and I committed to Jesus? See, it's easy to rely on God when we're in need, isn't it? It's easy to sit in the chair that Steve talked about last week when we're tired and when we cry out and we're like, God, I need you. But are we committed to him when we feel like we're doing okay in life? Mark chapter eight, verse 34, Jesus tells us what commitment to God looks like. It's not just a belief or an acknowledgement. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, in other words, if you wanna be committed to me, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will save it. It's powerful and it's hard, but that's what makes it so good. It's saying, I'm going to honor Christ, whatever the pain, whatever the cost. I'm going to do my best to obey his word. Even, even when it's the hardest thing to do, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Even when it's draining, as well as when it's fulfilling, there's no other way to follow Christ. This is what he says, Psalms 37, 5 says, commit everything that you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. I was thinking, you know, about our church, you know, this week. And I was thinking about how much and how many of you are committed to what Christ is doing in your life in this place. Every single week, I see people come in who are not feeling like coming in. 
You could have given many reasons not to, not to serve and not to set up and, and hand out the communion and serve in the kids area and, and volunteer in our youth area and come alongside. But you said, I committed to doing it. So darn it, I'm going to show up because I know that these people are counting on me. And because you're somebody that's being counted on, you're making a difference for all eternity directly or indirectly in the lives of others. There's so many people here who, who are just saying, you know what? I'm not doing it for my glory. I'm doing it because this is what Jesus has called me to be and do. And for that, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being that kind of person. And so what step of relational commitment do you need to make today? What step do you need to make? Maybe first and foremost, you need to commit yourself to Jesus Christ. He's already committed to you. Now's your chance to be committed to him. Maybe you raised your hand last week. That was a step one. That's a, that's a beginning step. And now it's to make that known. Maybe it's to say, I know Jesus committed to me. So now I'm going to put my trust. I'm going to commit my life to him. Maybe you need to be committed and being more involved around this place. Maybe you need to commit or recommit to building your marriage. You have every reason because you have fallen out of love. Do you understand that that is a decision based on how you feel? And as much as you have fallen out of love, you can fall right back into love. I promise you because I've seen it done and I've experienced it in my own life, to be honest with you. Maybe your parents, you need to make some commitments when it comes to your kids. Maybe some of your kids, you need to make some commitments to your parents. Maybe for some of you, you have been dating a while. You've actually been living together and now it's time to get married. You need to stop doing it the world's way and you start doing it God's way. You know, you trust, you rely. You're just, you're just down here when it comes to commitment and you're up here when it comes to touch. And God says, that's not what I've designed you for. Find the security when it comes to commitment with me and find out the appropriateness when it comes to touch, which we'll talk about a lot more next week. Maybe you need to commit to apologizing to a friend to say, I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you, but you can count on me moving forward. Whatever it is, allow God to move you to action this week. Be the person that God has called you to be in relationship with him and with others. And here's what I can promise you. You will experience the deep abiding, healthy relationships you've been looking for when you follow it his way. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. For today, thank you for the opportunity that we have to just serve and worship and love you. I pray that you would lead, you would guide, you would direct. You help us to evaluate our relationships. Help us, Lord, to, to stay committed, to be committed to experiencing a covenantal commitment in relationship as a friend, as a parent, as a son, a daughter, as a spouse. Father, thank you for always being committed to us even when we turn our backs on you. And I pray for anybody in here who's not yet received you or is ready to make that next step, that this would be the moment, either online or on site, that will change their eternity. If that's you, just pray this prayer. Jesus, I commit my life to you. Thank you for already being committed to me first. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.